0: Hello and welcome back to the Fifth Trooper Podcast. My name is Jay Shalansky. This is Evan Bullriss. Hey, how's it going? And on today's podcast, we're going to talk Unmatched. And joining us from Restoration Games is Brian and Noah. Do you guys want to uh, maybe do a little introduction of yourself? I'll have Brian go
1: first. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Brian Neff. I am an in-house developer at Restoration Games. Uh, I call myself an in-house time traveler because um, a lot of times I'm working on games that were released before I was at born. Excellent. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that's not the case for Unmatched. Um, uh, We have been working pretty heavily on Unmatched for the past nine months, um, and it's been a really, really great time. Uh, So, yeah, that's me. All right, Noah, you're up. Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is
2: Noah, and I've been doing game design for nearly five years now. I am another uh, fellow time traveler over at Restoration Games. We do a lot of work on some really fun stuff. Uh, and I guess the one that we're talking about right now is Unmatched.
0: So it's interesting about the time traveling, because when you took that pause before your years, I thought you were going to say 50. <laughs> the way the way you really, like, stared into the distance. <laughs> like, uh, five years?
3: <laughs> um. So that's actually a good point uh, that you brought that up. So, what um, was this unmatched based on a previous game system, or is this something completely? Because I think I have a was it Jedi Power Battles?
1: Is that uh, Star Wars Epic Duels? That's um, okay. Is that's yeah, yeah, is is sort of um, it's it's a soft remake of Star Wars Epic Duels. Um, Epic Duels was a little bit more um, of its time. It had sort of a roll and move thing, and um, you know was was all about having these sort of cool heroes that you would play with. Um, obviously, that one was based on Star Wars. Uh, and so, um, you know, sort of pulling that out and modernizing it a little bit came, gave us a match.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Just for a little bit of exposition, uh, Restoration Games, as a company, we take uh, old, out-of-print, uh, no longer being published games, give them a little bit of a shine for new, uh, a, a, new, a new era, um, and modern design sensibilities usually update the art a little bit, and then we release them back into the world to be enjoyed by a new generation. This is a game that... Uh, actually, Brian and I probably would have been the right age. We just weren't yeah, just playing games yeah. at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, this is probably one of the most recent offerings that has been reincarnated. A lot of the other stuff is significantly older.
0: Mm. but so when when i like one of the things i wanted to ask was the the team up with mondo like because the artwork in this is Dude, freaking amazing.
3: amazing like every card's a movie poster right? yeah right <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that, you mentioned that because,
0: yeah yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that's right um, and i you know i think it's 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 Brilliant. And, and one of the things I love talking about on our podcast, especially, is because I'm, I'm an artist and so I love talking art. And so the question that I'm trying to get to long ways around here is how much does the art or the IP influence the game for you guys when you're developing and building it versus do you already have like an idea of and then you try to find something that fits into that like game mechanic?
1: Uh, so, you know, as as an artist um, and sort of as a fellow creative, uh, it's, it's a collaborative experience, for sure. Um, a lot of times we end up doing game design first and then getting art off of the ground after that. Um, and so just sort of how the schedules work out that way. Uh, Jason, who is our art director, um, and Lindsay, uh, who is our sort of production superhero, are uh, involved in the process very, very early um, as far as Getting cool card names and and like finding cool effects and and they're both much much more art brained you know than I am, um, but they do an incredible job interfacing with you know a, a bunch of different artists. Do you find yeah. you go ahead Noah? Uh, just to just to clarify the process a little bit. The very
2: early on in the process, the first thing that we know is the characters that we're going to be making,
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: and then as we begin roughing in what the decks are looking like and we're starting to think about playtesting, once we're satisfied with the direction and general composition of the deck, that's when we bring in uh, whoever we're going to be uh, choosing to have do the, all the illustrations. Mm-hmm. And we have an actual list of concepts that we can start handing them. But the selection of the artist actually happens about concurrently with our initial deck design. We say, okay, well, we're going to be doing The Invisible Man and Dracula and Sherlock and Jekyll and Hyde. As soon as we know that, we know the theme of of what we're going for, and our art uh, direction team can immediately start looking for artists that are going to deliver an aesthetic that really complements it. So even before we know what we're having them draw pictures of, we know who we're having them draw pictures of, so we can at least start the search. Yeah, and then once we really have a more coherent deck list, um, we can actually start giving them details about. Okay, we'll draw them in this position, in this position, mm-hmm. and they need to be doing this.
1: And um. sometimes, some, sometimes it's agonizing because we'll get like a <laughs> like a box front six months before we get to see any cards or anything like yeah. that, and we're just oh, it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> is there
0: is there ever a moment in the collaboration where let's say. Uh, an artist comes back with something that maybe maybe you guys just, you know, you, you just didn't think of and they come back with like a cool pose or like a look or feel for for the art that maybe maybe makes you take a look back at the mechanic and go, oh, what if we did this? Or what if we added this? Or, or has that ever happened that way?
1: Uh, we've had a couple of experiences where, you know, we see, a, we see a cool picture and, um, or a cool pose. Uh, usually it happens from the box art, um, mm-hmm. yeah. because a lot of the times, uh, by the time cards are getting drawn and things like that, we already have, like, our total design lockdown, and we're, yeah. you know, we're basically putting on pictures to send out to a printer. Um, but yeah, like, a, a lot of times, you know, at least once that I can think of, we've, see- we've said, like, oh, that's such a cool pose for that character on the box art. How do, we, how do we translate that into a card? How do we make this this, this awesome thing that they can do?
2: Yeah, so, sometimes we'll be getting back early sketches while we're still making mid-tier revisions where we can mm-hmm. still sometimes swap out a card or fully change the effect because we just need to. Um, that card wasn't working for whatever reason, and yeah. it's just time to make a change. If we have art at that point, uh, especially for that card that needs to get the boot, we will absolutely try to make the new card still match that art. We don't want to waste anyone's effort. Um, The other thing that I personally love is being surprised uh, by the art that the artists are delivering. We don't do any of the art direction, which means we don't generally, uh, with some exceptions for, for specific cards, have any idea what the card is going to look like until we get to see it. So <laughs> the same thing happens with the sculpt. So when yeah. we first got back the sculpt of the Invisible Man, oh, I was completely blown away on their treatment of that because they could have done something, oh, he's translucent or done something a little a little kitschy. But the treatment that they made of that, and for those of you who can't pick one up and look at it, it is his outfit is fully visible. So he's in a trench coat. He's got a hat. He's got a cane. And he's got shoes and everything. But everywhere where there would be a person, there isn't. So oh, that's the, cool. the collar on the on the trench coat is very popped up. And the hat is just attached to that. <laughs> so it cool. looks yeah. like it's just kind of floating. There's a cane yeah. that's just kind of floating in air. Yeah. It's a really cool treatment. And we were absolutely surprised by that. I didn't have any idea it was going to happen until I saw it. And my, my jaw literally dropped when I saw it. So we definitely have space to be surprised. Sometimes we have the opportunity to work that into design, but I still love seeing all the art.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that that you know. So Evan and I, when we approach stuff, it's kind of like I come from all the design and like business side, and he comes from the like game mechanics side. And it's I like I I literally could talk to you guys all day about the art. So I'm gonna have one more question, and then I'm gonna let Evan ask some (laughs) uh, some some actually play questions. So my the next question I had was. Let's say um, you know, you're trying to, since the art is coming later, how do you get into maybe the voice and the feel of a character? Like, what kind of preparation do you guys do what, mm-hmm. when building out the mechanics and, and what, what that deck and what that character are going to do in order to, to make sure that when it's on the table, it feels like you know, Bruce Lee, for instance?
1: Sure. Um, so sometimes it's, uh, you know, it, you mentioned earlier, we have this sort of partnership with Mondo. Um, and it's, it, it puts us in a really interesting situation because sometimes we're doing, um, uh, public domain characters and, and that sort of stuff. And sometimes we're doing these, these licensed characters. Mm-hmm. And so sort of, uh, a, a first design meeting often looks really, really weird. Um, when we go and do it, cause sometimes it's reading, you know, Thousand-year-old poems to get card names, and sometimes it's like washing Jurassic Park on loop five times in a row. You know, so we, we end up with a lot of these really weird situations where we're like, "Oh man, like what's a what's a really cool old-timey word for stabbing someone?" And then like the very next conversation we have is like, "How do you spell a uh, raptor sound?" I don't know. How to spell that. <laughs> um, so it's really interesting. A, a lot of it is going back to the source material of whatever we're doing, and um, you know, really, really taking a critical eye at the things that pop, the things that would sound good, yeah. um, you know, the things that would feel good, and and embodying those characters that way. Yeah. Cool.
2: the One of the... Everyone that is designing sets right now, uh, all of us have a slightly different feel or a slightly different approach on how we design decks or how we approach them. Um, the, the ultimate goal, though, is to like you said, make the character really come to life in that as you're playing that deck, you fundamentally feel like you are playing as that character. Mm. So one of my favorite things to do at the very start is to pick a few uh, turns and and like really epic turns uh, and what those look like. And usually it's a pair of cards or it's a maneuver and uh, a card or a card that you set up on a previous turn to follow up on your turn. And just find those little chunks of gameplay that lead to a story getting told later and find a way to put those onto cards in a way that creates that interesting moment. Um, And sometimes that doesn't work, and it's back to the drawing board a couple times, (laughs) but usually what I like to try to do is start from those story moments and work backwards. So I find a cool thing that's going to happen, and then I work on making it happen. Uh, yeah, like we, get,
1: f- we get to have we get to have some interesting conversations because you know we we do talk a lot about like you know oh how, how how would King Arthur fight Alice from Alice in Wonderland and and how would Robin Hood you know sort of dodge around in this sort of thing and and uh, it's it's not where I thought I would be five years ago um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's still still interesting conversations to have.
3: So uh, for example, um, like for the main core set, um, the two biggest wild, like. That's really cool. Moments I hear from players when I'm playing is uh, Simbad, when they realize that the more journeys he's on, the better he gets. So like, it makes sense, right? You're like, well, yeah, yeah, he's he's fought the giant snake and he punched the giant toad out. Like, of course he <laughs> knows how to run, like, for right? Like, he, he just he just learned it. And then uh, uh, Alice, Alice is the other one with the flip. That's the other one that's like a real big, uh, um, like, oh, when they they understand like, well, you can either go more attack or you can get the defense when you got to run. And that's another like light bulb. Like, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've had people play and go, "Oh, oh, that's cool, right?" Like, and that's a neat like, it's um, a neat concept. Like Bruce Lee, for example, his big thing is like a lot of actions in one shot, right? You just build up. So some turn, you're like, "Man, I'm just, come on, just survive, Bruce." You know, get, get, get <laughs> my get my G Kune Do cards, and then it's like, bam, 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 bam. I've taken four, five turn like actions in a turn, and then you go from like being everyone kind of not paying attention to you because you weren't really doing much, and you have a low hit point. To just like almost one shot King Arthur, right? Like it's, but how it works is like then you gotta like just get cards back, right? So you've, you've made this huge pull, and now you're like, oh gosh, please just go after the Medusa, you know, like <laughs> anything, just let me draw back. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, that's super, that's super awesome. Uh, the question I have is like, I think Shut Up and Sit Down had a really great uh, review of the game, and uh, one line that Quinn said was, uh, he can teach the game in a breath, and that speaks a lot. Uh, especially when someone sees a deck of cards they go because uh, the first thing you think is magic or a game that's complicated and then when i'm yep. taking it out and i'm like I'm like no no it's okay it's okay don't worry don't worry. you know like it's <laughs> take the card you know here you can be bruce lee you know like you gotta <laughs> like and they're like oh cards know, uh, what am i gonna do so um mm-hmm. talk to me i guess about how you you've made the game like your thoughts on like streamlining characters and like how does that two turn like two action system work for you like did you like did how did you come to that to make like a smooth smooth gameplay for that
1: so a lot of the base system and stuff was in place before we even got here. The sort of two actions and, you know, maneuvering and all of the base numbers and things like that. Um, and the thing that Rob always talks about, um, Rob Davio being uh, the chief, creator, chief restoration officer at Restoration Games. Um, the thing that he always talks about is, uh, you know, he, he comes from a very different world than Noah and I did whenever we started playing games. You know, Noah and I have been playing Magic for... 15, 20 years now, and, you know, like, we're very into all of that, you know, sort of complex mechanical stuff. And it's really good um, to have Rob there, who came from Hasbro and was, you know, building accessible games for 20 years before we even got started. Um, So it's really interesting to have him around saying, like, we we need to make sure that we contain the scope of this thing. We need to make sure that this is accessible for everybody, because Mm -hmm. not everybody is you, right? Not (laughs) everybody has played Magic for 20 years. Um, And so that's a really nice sort of reminder about who we're making this game for. um, Is for people who do want to pick up Bruce Lee and they want to feel like Bruce Lee, but they don't want to be overwhelmed. For people who want to be King Arthur and want to swing around Excalibur, but they don't want to have, you know, ten lines on a card. Um, And so almost every step of the way, whenever we're designing this throughout the entire process, that's always in the back of our minds of saying like, how do I explain this to someone at a convention table? How do I sit down and explain what this character does in a sentence?
2: I I cannot tell you the number of ideas that we absolutely fell in love with during the design phase and continued to love during the initial testing phase and then realized, you know what? This is extremely complicated. (laughs) That is a really cool game experience, probably for a different game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes it hurts to do that, uh, but then I remember that I, I can just put it in a different game at some point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or we can take it to the workshop and really get at the core of what is delivering that experience. Is it this extra sentence at the end every time? Well, no? Okay, well, let's remove that. Or maybe we can... This is a cool experience that we want to keep putting on cards, but it's driving up the complexity of the cards. Mm. Is the is that character's special ability really necessary? Maybe we can move that effect over to their special ability, and now we've decreased what the cards look like, but we're still delivering that experience. So one of the tricks that we have is to try and play around with the the, the different knobs to deliver the experience we're looking for while keeping under, it's a little gauche to phrase it, but uh, a word count. Um, yeah. It's not a perfect uh, represent- uh, representation of the complexity of the game, but it's a reasonable analog yeah so it's something we do keep an eye on um a card should not in general make your eyes glaze over when you look
0: at it <laughs> so so let me ask you this do you sometimes creatively speaking like if if i'm let's say if i'm doing like consulting work for a company or something and they they put me in a box and they say hey this is the box you're in this is where you design don't go out the box i find that sometimes i Find myself doing things I never thought I would or could do because uh, the restraints are almost weirdly freeing, and and because I I'm like okay I know the the rules of this world, so I know I can design within that. Do you guys find that when you're developing and designing a game or or one of the one of the the uh, figures or one of the you know characters that having that box around maybe actually helps you develop a little bit better?
2: Absolutely, it's not a it's not a confinement; it's more of a scaffolding. Yeah. Uh, you you yes, there are things that you cannot do within the scope of a game, but at the same time, I don't have to worry about every time I build one of these, coming up with a new uh, action economy from scratch, or how does the how does the currency and and card economy work? I can just use what I have, and that's the system, and it gives both uh, a, a set of expectations for me and also an ability to, in some sets, shorthand things.
1: Mm. Uh,
2: and by that I mean, when you're playing with some of these sets we designed to be a first experience, usually those are the IP ones where someone is being introduced to the game system via the IP rather than the IP via the game system. Yeah. Um, and those we try to keep a little bit less complex, but the ones where we are expecting that it is a you know, already enfranchised audience, uh, we can play around with some expectations in a way that uh, you wouldn't be able to do if you were designing the, the first iteration of a game. You have to be really clear when you're setting someone up from scratch, whereas when they already know how to play, you can just say, okay, remember that thing you already know? That, but with a twist. Right. And then you only have to worry about... The the twist instead of explaining everything that comes before it.
1: And, uh, you know, it's a, sort of a funny situation that Noah and I ended up in because we really got, when we first started doing Unmatched, we really got thrown into the deep end. Um, you know, because our, our, our very first experience was like, here you go, go design a deck. Um, and so, you know, we had played the game a few times and we had done all of that stuff, but we weren't part of the process you know, before the decks that we first started working on, um, and so uh, you know, we broke a lot of rules. We broke all of the rules of unmatched, <laughs> like in our first couple of drafts. And you You're know, learn was a, the rules. yeah, it was, it's a really good way to learn the rules. And and so it's, it, it was it was an interesting experience for both of us at the beginning to just say, you know, let's feel out this room by tearing down all of the walls, and then let's rebuild the walls because now we know why the walls are there. Um, and you know, so we, we sort of worked backwards into a lot of the design constraints that you're talking about um, in a really interesting way where we got to say, you know, oh, it, it, now we know what an action means. Now we know mm-hmm. what a card means. Now we know what right. your opponent discarding a card means and all of that sort of stuff. And we sort of backed into it in a way that now when we break those rules, we sort of know why we're doing it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um And that's really what makes the characters interesting is, you know, each character, you know, has a set of rules about them and then where they break the rules and where they're different is what makes them interesting.
2: Not all of the characters can have four actions in a turn. Bruce Lee can because of the cards in his deck and that makes him feel different than everyone. Mm -hmm. So all of these restrictions that you put into the game allow... They are restrictions, but they allow uh, on the same token... A, a measure of power to be felt for each character because now you are doing a thing that no one else can do or that very few other characters can do and that lets you feel more powerful. So the the restrictions
0: can can be restricting, but they <laughs> they have a very nice payoff as well. Well, and it's, yeah, because like in the real world, we have gravity. We all understand that gravity is a rule that we all follow. We don't have a choice. So when you see someone like LeBron James dunk you're like whoa what (laughs) like i didn't even know we were capable of that and so i like i like thinking about it that way where you know this is a fictional world but it has rules that you know the characters and when they break them like you said it's just that much more exciting because then you're like oh snap like yeah he's special
2: Mm
3: -hmm. it's an interesting system where every character feels kind of busted like when you get to like
0: yeah right like it's
3: that's the whole point right it's the in like in the back of the boxes in battle there are no equals so you'll have like medusa's not doing much and then you wait till one of the other players gets low on cards and you know from like a previous attack he doesn't have any defense you just roll up with the eight damage attack right and they they, they take the card and they read it and they look at you and they read you know they're like (laughs) like how does this like how is this fair and i'm like yo Sorry, like it's
1: one uh, <laughs> yes, of the rules of
2: unmatched match. Is that yeah, one right. Is it's just, it's fun just fun.
3: what it is. Like, if you had one of the any, because all the characters have um. So, for example, the listeners, if you haven't looked at any of this, um, there's cards that are kind of universal between all the fighters that I've seen. Anyway, like uh, um, like skirmish, I think is one. It's not a
2: perfect one to one, but yeah, there are yeah, cards it's... that are more common or at least shared among multiple decks.
3: Yeah, and so you kind of get a feeling like there's one that says like, "Hey, cancel all text in your card." Right Those are very powerful, uh, like back and forth, because most of like King Arthur's is like, "I'm going to hit you and I'm going to boost it." So like, you, can, <laughs> you can come out of nowhere with these huge hits, but the cancel card will stop that, right? So everyone's got these fail safes, so it's not just like uh, characters going around like one shotting each other, right there's, there's, you, Everyone's got a couple like emergency get out of jail cards for the most part, or some way to like mitigate, right? And I think that's a really cool built-in. so every character can feel kind of nuts, like, man, Robin Hood can be annoying. You know, he's got all the Merry Men. You just can't get to him, and he's like, "Oh, he's back! Merry Man's back!" Or you finally corner Bigfoot, and he's like, oh, peace!" You know, you just like, he's out. <laughs> and then now you're chasing him again, and it, it's and it, it feels nuts, right? It's so like every character's doing all this crazy stuff, um, but then at the end of the match, it's still down to like everybody's at like three hit points or something. It's never. I've never played a game yet where it went so what lopsided where I was like, I didn't get hurt, and you. You know, uh, got murdered. It still always feels pretty close, even when there's like a big like brawl going on or like alliances start getting made like mid game. Like, all right, Bigfoot, uh, you and me, <laughs> we got it. That Medusa's getting a little a little antsy. We got to get in there and you got to punch those harp right. Like, it's I think that's really cool design where it's just like everybody is kind of busted but also not. You know, like that's I don't know how a question would be asked for that, but like how did how did that like when you're building uh, characters. I guess is that like a um, when you're looking at a character, you're like, hey, what do these universal cards we put in, and will that keep him like in line with the other ones? Is that like something you would think about? That yeah, is
2: like,
1: deliberate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we approach everything um, to sort of get into some some designer terminology. Uh, we approach every we approach every character with a power budget. Okay. Um, where we say like you know these are the these are the this is how much power we want to spread across the entire deck and across their you know their ability and things like that. And, um, yeah, all of, all of that stuff that you're talking about is very much intentional. Um, you know, we want to make sure that characters can do the things that they want to do. And sort of like Noah said earlier, we all approach it in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I come from a background of playing a lot of, like, fighting games and League of Legends and things oh, like sure, that. Yeah. And so, like, my whole thing is when I'm approaching a character like this, and again, everybody does it differently on our design team, um, is I, I like to sort of think about an archetype that I really like. Like, is this guy a brawler? Are they sort of like a zoning character? Are they do, you know, those, those sorts of things. And then, you know, look at what that experience looks like. And then the very next thing that I like doing is I like designing a signature card, which is, you know, what is that oh wow moment? You know, Medusa mm-hmm. has Gaze of Stone, yeah. King Arthur has Excalibur, like the moment that really makes you feel like you're playing that character. Um, and, you know, that's very top of the list for us whenever we talk about, you know, our our decks, we, we have spreadsheets just of all of these decks. And one of the things that, um, you know, we do when we're sort of pitching these decks within the design team is we say, okay, like, these are their signature cards. This is how they should play. This is their hero ability. And so very much making sure that they feel like they have that, you know, that, that one, oh, wow moment of, you know, hitting someone for 10 damage or, you know, running up five, five spaces and gaining an action so they can do huge, two huge attacks, like... All of that sort of stuff is very, very much on purpose to make those characters feel like they have these really high moments.
2: Yeah, to use uh, another term, min-maxing champions make for interesting champions, but this, at the end of the day, is a card game, uh, which is subject to not a small amount of variance. So as designers, we have this uh, line to walk between making cards eat up a significant chunk of the power budget so that when you are playing those cards, you get to feel special. And at the same time, spreading the power over the entire deck so that when you're not drawing them, you are not just dead in the water. And it's, it's definitely an interesting line to walk because absolutely, we could make... You have 29 cards that do nothing and one card that says you win. And that's not a fun deck. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a the, the ultimate power moment, but it's not a yeah, fun yeah. deck. It's so the one punch man. Yeah. <laughs> Come down from there, and, and that does sometimes mean having cards that are uh, when you compare them to another card in uh, another person's deck or even that deck are just worse. But that's deliberate and intentional, and allows us to make other cards just better.
0: Hmm. So. Here's a here's a weird question, when when working on something, let's say like Jurassic Park, when you're working on it in your head, do you ever get freaked out and go, "Holy crap, this is Jurassic Park! <laughs> like I need to make sure, <laughs> like I don't screw this up." Uh, is that like I mean, how much does that weigh on you when you're when you're developing? it <laughs> was a really heavy sigh I think I'm I think I'm on to something Evan
2: <laughs> it it is definitely a different experience working with uh, intellectual property than it is working with blank slate or, or open source material and it, it's not that oh no the pressures on externally so much as I'm a fan of Jurassic Park yeah I don't want to screw it up for my own conscience, not <laughs> not because that there's... Uh, someone else, literally, it's their job to say, hey, that's not Jurassic Park. right? And, and that's fine with me. Uh, I can totally change to accommodate what they're saying, but at the same time, I don't want to let my own self down and be like, oh, that is yeah. not how I pictured the raptors play. Yeah. And if I'm the one who then designed the raptors, I, spoiler alert, I wasn't. <laughs> um, I'm using them as a stand-in for other characters that I can't talk about. <laughs> Uh, i I don't want to let myself down uh especially younger me who was a fan of the of the the property that i'm working on um i don't want them to say wow you got to be a game designer and you did that
1: (laughs) you ruined it for all of us Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have um we have some exciting stuff coming up and it's definitely like the the pressure is there um, you know, cause we're, we're working with the, um, we're working with all of the, uh, public domain stuff and we can be a
0: no, no.
1: little bit more loosey goosey on that sort of oh, stuff right. where we oh, say oh, like, we you know, Oh, Al- Alice in Wonderland, you know, uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah. My internet, I apologize if I cut out. No, um, you're, right, you're good. Yeah. Where uh, so for, for like, Alice, we can be a little bit more loosey-goosey where we can say, like, oh, yeah, Alice is a fighter because we have this giant sword because we say that she does, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. right. We gave her the
2: carving knife. And right,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and we can't do that with raptors or, you know, with a Tyrannosaurus Rex or things like that. Um, well, I mean, and, you could if it
0: wasn't Jurassic Park.
1: <laughs> we, we could, you're right, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, you know, it's it's interesting because we we do have to walk this fine line of, like, let's make sure that we're capturing the essence of Jurassic Park, but let's also make sure that we're making a fun game and, you know, making sure that we're constantly putting out cool stuff. Um,
2: Yeah, Yeah. in in the same way that we have a power budget when we're designing a deck, um, when we're choosing IPs to pursue, there's this, we have to keep that in mind. Mm. there are definitely ips out there that yeah it'd be awesome to work with them but no one in that in, in that ip is even remotely in the correct power level yeah they are yeah. immediately over budget
0: can't right do. like one punch man uh, that i
2: brought Tom up earlier uh, right? Right? you yeah. immediately cannot I'm, uh, like
3: superman or something yeah uh,
2: build a coherent character that is fair in the yeah. mechanics of the game and also delivering the experience of yes i am playing this person so
3: that's and, actually a good point um so let's talk about. Uh, not to cut you off. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. It's our podcast. I was just looking at this. I'm like thinking. Um, <laughs> uh, so we've got the two. Would you call these like core sets? For example, Battle
2: Legends Volume One is definitely a core set. I believe we're calling Bigfoot versus uh, Robin Hood a
1: two pack. Is I think yeah, we we basically have we have two packs and four packs.
2: Um, okay, and then so occasionally the a Bruce Lee style solo yeah. pack. Yeah. yeah. So
3: we've got, uh, so there's this one, and then the one that just released uh, a couple months ago was Cobble and Stone. Cobble and, and Fog. Um, Cobble and Fog, I'm sorry. And what uh, characters were in that?
1: So that was, um, that was uh, Dracula, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Sherlock Holmes, and the Invisible Man. Right. Um,
2: so so that Victorian was very, era.
1: yeah, Victorian era sort of uh, heroes, um, heroes and villains, uh, yeah
3: can you give us a little rundown of those characters? Kind of like what makes them a little bit different? Like a general, like kind of like how uh, um, like Alice does the uh, like size change? Like what each
1: of those characters kind of does? It's cool. Uh, yeah. Noah, who's who's your favorite? You pick your favorite. I'll pick my favorite. And if <laughs> we pick the same person, we're nothing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, uh, Dracula. Uh, Dracula is my favorite. He plays very much like a patient uh, stalker. Like he will move around the board, uh, he will mesmerize you, get you a little bit closer. Sometimes he will bite people and drain their blood and gain cards that way. And then when it's time to pounce, he will do that. And the game will end in an instant when he is ready. <laughs> so it yeah. definitely feels like you are trying to like, peek in the shadows and, and get him before he sets up the perfect attack to just completely wipe you out.
1: Yeah, without spoiling anything too much, the one, the, the one of the times that I was playing against Noah and he was playing Dracula, in a single action, he dealt 12 damage to me. Oh, man. All right. right. That's a lot. Which was, <laughs> uh, you know, my fault. I didn't defend, so yeah, I yeah. get it. I
2: attacked, he said no blocks, and I said, ah.
1: Okay. This game is over. I see this game is over. Yeah, I, uh, I really like the Invisible Man. Um, the Invisible Man is uh, my favorite out of that set of four because he has fog tokens that he puts on the board, um, and he can sort of teleport between the fog tokens. Um, and insane. so he has this like crazy sort of in and out, hit and run mobility where he's like, ah, surprise! I hit you for five <laughs> damage, and then I disappear back into the shadows. <laughs> um, so he's really he's 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 my favorite out of the set. Um, the other one that I like to play a lot is Sherlock Holmes. Um, Sherlock Holmes's ability, uh, sort of like you were saying earlier, one of the, one of the sort of great equalizers of the game is you can, you can faint, you can cancel people's effects. Um, and Sherlock and his sidekick Watson can't have their effects canceled. Oh, Um, so he's, yeah. So he's really big into like into sort of knowing what you have going in. So he has a lot of schemes that let him look at your hand and discard some cards and, and sort of assess the situation before he goes in and counter punches you or you know gets into a boxing match and beats you up
2: <laughs> and then the, the last one is uh, Dr. Jekyll and uh, and Mr. Hyde. And the interesting thing about that character is that he is actually his own sidekick.
3: Oh that's cool. <laughs> uh, it is
2: it is one character that can transform and the cards in your hand uh, which ones you can play depend on which person you are. Are you Dr. Jekyll or are you Mr. Hyde? And so the the cool thing about that deck is managing your hand so that you can transform and still have a meaningful turn so you don't leave yourself stranded in one form with none of the cards for that form and then you right. have to spend uh, some effort sw- swapping back and forth. Um, and just to, just to touch on the Invisible Man again. I, that was my, my second choice. So I, I <laughs> <laughs> Stole it from you. That's no, <laughs> no, okay. That's a got him. One of the things that we wanted to do, there was a lot of uh, questions about while we were designing it. Well, how do we make him invisible? Um, you know, he's he's on the board. Everyone can see him. How do, we, how do we actually deliver that? Haha, you can't see me. And we elected to go with dramatic irony of the players. Yeah, they know where he is. But that doesn't mean that you can necessarily attack him. Mm, So he's got the ability to move between these fog tokens that kind of represents you don't see him until he is emerging on the other side when you can kind of see the shape swirling out of the fog sort of thing. And then he has the ability sometimes to just completely disappear.
1: That's and cool. You, p- you pick them up off the board. Oh, oh that's that's really and awesome. Vanishes. That's super
3: cool. Um, and the other one we don't have here today is uh, the Jurassic Park set, which is super awesome. Um, so, what what do those two warbands play like?
2: Yeah, the, the the Raptors break one of the core rules in that you have one hero and they have one health pool, and when they are knocked out, the other player wins. The Raptors are three heroes with three separate health, health pools, and you have to knock out all three of them to win. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Uh, and they, they get a benefit. F- the, the longer that they stick around, the, they get a benefit from grouping up and being together. But you actually have to defeat all of them in order to win, and they take up different spots. So that's the yeah. rule that they break, and I really like the way that they play. Um, they're tricky to play correctly, but they're really rewarding when you do.
1: Yeah, the raptors are are, are pack hunters, and um, I think they came across really well. And the other person is uh, Muldoon, one of the mercenaries, the InGen general mercenaries um, from Jurassic Park. And he is a, a ranged character who puts traps on the board, um, and so he gets to trap certain spaces, and whenever you move onto one of his traps, you take a little bit of damage and you stop moving. Um, and so oh, he's and stop moving. <laughs> yeah 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 and you stop moving that's the important part um, and so he's very much sort of one of those zoning characters where he really wants to control the board um, and uh, yeah they play very very differently um, those both of those sets uh, and we've gotten we've gotten a lot of good a lot of good feedback on those two characters is like I, I you know people saying like oh I love the raptors the raptors are my favorite and, you know and and you know some people are Muldoon for life so.
3: <laughs> Well, my dream was just to have Bruce Lee just go like go ham on some Raptors <laughs> and just start up like going nuts, punching them all out. Um, yeah, one of the things uh, I've been starting to do too is I start looking. So, like the uh, the sidekick tokens, um, like I get like you can't have a Merlin miniature as well in there and keep the cost at like you know like MSRP. Right. So I, I'm already like looking around for like that doesn't quite look like a Merlin miniature. Like we're already like I've got my group <laughs> of friends who are like what can we get a jackrabbit miniature? So we're already (laughs) looking to like, kind of like uh, uh, glam the game up, I guess it's like with, yeah, Yeah, Yeah. because we like, it adds like, like have a Merlin figure on there is just really cool. So we're already like pulling around. We're like, well, where can we find harpies? You know, so we're looking like dungeons and dragons (laughs) miniatures. We're like, well, what can we do to get these on there? Because we really like, it's a game that uh, you can play for like 10 minutes or you can play for like two hours and just mix up everything. And I think that's super cool. And like, we're really the group of uh, all the boards. Uh, what I failed to mention too is all the boards are double sided, so you get two maps out of each game, mm. and that's super cool. Um, the the two player ones um, are like a two v two, uh, one v one map generally, and the uh, four are um, generally four players can like get on there and have enough room to to maneuver around. But each game you have, like you can use the one from the first game, the little characters from the second set. Right, like there's so interchangeable. That's really cool. It yeah. reminds me of a uh, talisman, a little bit like that.
1: We we're lucky enough to have a a really really active community. Um, we have a very active Discord. You know, uh, people on BGG are you know talking and, and active, and it's really really great to see because people they they do things like that. We have a guy on our Discord who. You know, went and went into Blender and modeled out a Merlin mini and 3D printed it and painted oh, it and like phenomenal. did all this other stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm like, man, you're more talented. You're way more talented than I am. You know, because like <laughs> all of these people who are going in and doing amazing paint jobs and and all of this stuff, it's 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 fascinating to see. Um, and you know, just a, a absolute shout out to everyone in the unmatched community. You know, if you're listening to this, um, is it's it's excellent to see. You take you know take take what we've done as a starting point and sort of run with it, um, and that's actually a decent segue. Do you mind if I segue into into a plug real fast? Yeah, I do. Go for it. Yeah. Um, good. So, <laughs> we... <laughs> Just So we are one of one of the things that we're doing right now is um, we are running an unmatched design contest, um, and oh, really? so if you feel like, and obviously the two of you are welcome as well. Well, um, you. If you feel like you have uh, you know, a really cool idea for a character or something like that, um, we have all of the stuff up on our website, restorationgames.com. Um, and you can go in and uh, get a, a link to a Google sheet that will give you everything you need to sort of design your own deck. Um, and again, we have people on the Discord that are like passing ideas back and forth and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, in the end, we're going to pick four winners um, and we're going to print their decks into an unmatched four pack.
2: Oh, um, that's awesome but
1: that's awesome yeah 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 we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a development pass but like but <laughs> yeah, I, was some... just <laughs> yeah. I was gonna be like i got some ideas <laughs> yeah let's uh let's hear them i'll point you to this google sheet um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> I, I mean
2: it's been. happening oh sorry
1: oh i was just gonna say it's 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 been amazing to see like you know people who are so excited about this game you know submit these crazy ideas that like like I, I characters. Like, I'm not going to talk about them because like, I wanna, I want to I want to make sure that those people you know have their ideas intact. But like characters that I've never even heard of, where I like had to go to Wikipedia and like search for them. Like, oh, that's so cool, and then go down a Wikipedia hole for half an oh, hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> awesome.
2: Well, one thing that's been happening ever since we released the very first set was people would come up to us and say, "Hey, have you thought about doing so and so?" And we immediately wanted to interact with that in a positive way. So. Just... On our, on our website, there's a place where you can submit suggestions for characters, no further thing, but we decided to really amp that up, and that's why we have this contest. So if you have a character, not only can you uh, suggest it, but you can explain why it's a good idea by building us a deck, and we'll take a look at it and be like, you know what? There's something there. And, you know, it's, it's really cool to help be able to give back to the community in that way.
0: Um, yeah. Well, and I think it makes it makes everyone feel like they're part of it. Right? That's that's what, as people who play games and who are fans of all this IP, like all we've ever wanted was just to be part of it, yeah. right? Like you, like I want to go see dinosaurs, or I want I want to hang out and eat some uh, magic food that makes me change sizes in Wonderland. Like, you know, I mean, that's all that's all any of us want. So that's I think that's really cool. So what's the website again? Just so everybody knows. It is
1: restorationgames.com. Restorationgames.com.
0: All right. Well, I think that's Restoration Games. (laughs) (laughs) No more
1: plugs. (laughs) (laughs) Throw the microphones
0: off. (laughs)
1: Cut them off, Evan. (laughs)
0: Um, I i mean, I think that that's good. What do you think, Evan? It's good. All right. Well, Brian, Noah, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. No, definitely, man. It was
3: awesome. Thank you.
2: Join us next week for another edition of the Fifth Trooper podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.